Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Um, before we actually start with the show proper this week, and we've got Michael Kist from Inside the Pylon and the Locked On Eagles podcast joining us later, um, we didn't discuss the London games last week for 2018. It's definitely worth a chat about. Um, I'm joined as always by Tom Like And Tom, two things to note here. Um, first, it's probably the best slate of matches we've had. Um, at least in terms of how things look at this stage in the off-season. But there's also that factor of reducing from four games last year down to three this year. So, I mean, what do you think of the games and the team we're getting? I mean, there's a chance yeah. that one of them could be a Super Bowl rematch, which is pretty yeah. unprecedented. Yeah, it's one, it's one of these double-edged swords type thing where, you know, it, we, it is a little bit disappointing that obviously we're, we're a bit spoiled now used to the four games a year come down to three. But I think the matchup's probably worth it. I think people would rather have three compelling great games which on schedule, well, it's way too early to tell because some of these teams could be in total rebuild mode. But right now it looks like we've got three absolutely cracking games that could wow the London fan base. And I'm looking particularly at that first one, Seahawks at Raiders. I mean, who, who doesn't want to see John Gruden and Pete Carroll storming around the sidelines? That could be a great game. I mean, this, this for me is the one that I think could be the weakest of the three. Um, we're seeing a Seattle team that are surely due to enter a rebuild. And yeah, Oakland, John Gruden, um, that Oakland team regressed massively last year. And John Gruden's, at least his coordinator appointments, don't seem tremendously forward-thinking. So it could have sort of a, a I mean, I, I, I wouldn't rule out, say, a dead cat bounce effect for Oakland. I'm not tremendously optimistic for Gruden. He's, um, I mean, looking at his how his um, last few years in Tampa went as well. But yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson versus Derek Carr is nothing to be sniffed at. And they've both got a core in place, even with sort of the ageing Seattle defence elsewhere on the roster. Looking at people like Doug Baldwin, there is this core. Um and Oakland, I think, even more so. They just need a sort of a good coach. Um, I think Titans-Chargers could be surprising. I mean, the Chargers are often entertaining, and I'm excited to see the Titans without Mike Malarkey's offensive yeah. scheme kind of making them less entertaining. I like Corey Davis' potential to break out in that actual offense. I think he did, had a, didn't have a statistically good rookie season, but he flashed. Um, and the Chargers, I mean, they've got those two fantastic pass rushers. They've got exciting players like Keenan Allen, um, cornerback Casey Hayward. That could be a really good game. Yeah, I wrote an article in the offseason saying, are the LA Chargers a sleeping superpower in the AFC? And I, I stand by that. I think if you look at this team, apart from Philip Rivers there, they've got young, talented players at every every position on, on, on the park. And I think that when they play against the Titans, hopefully we can see, like you said, someone a bit more creative with Marcus Mariota. That could potentially be a really fun AFC matchup with two teams who will definitely have playoff aspirations next year. And then finally, like you mentioned, we've got the, the Super Bowl rematch. And I think the people have... Potentially. Potentially. Potential. Let's, let's, potential. Let's, not, um, yeah. let's not get ahead of ourselves quite yeah. yet. So, but yeah, that would be fun to see the young Jaguars defense. Then Carson Wentz, an ascending young star in the NFL, potentially tapped as a future MVP. That that should be a really fun one. So um, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think all in all, it's, it's a great slate for the for the fan base in the UK. Yeah, um, but I, I mean... That's obviously the pick of the games, and it'll be interesting to see, say, what the Jags do at quarterback in the offseason, whether they've got a free agent quarterback like a Tyrod Taylor or Kirk Cousins, or whether something like a late first-round pick, like maybe a Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, um, Lamar Jackson. Alex Smith as well, yeah. I mean, I think think Alex Smith, I would expect to see him in Cleveland, because I think that is more... that that is probably the 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 best fit, and I think they will pursue him most aggressively, um, even with probably picking a quarterback first overall as well, which I think 
he won't like, but we saw what happened with Mike Glennon and Mitch Tobisky. Sometimes quarterbacks just going out told. But I, I don't want to start talking too much about Jags quarterbacks because it's the three games thing that's interesting to me. I mean, four did seem a lot last year. Um, and sure enough, we had some very, very bad games. I mean, two shutouts, um, one absolute, well, yeah, two, two shutouts, um, one absolute walloping, and the tightest game involved the Cleveland Browns, and that, that's, not, that's not a good thing. Um, I mean, the, re- the reason that's officially been given why there are three games rather than four is concerns about the potential match day experience at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is fair enough. It's not been completed that. Um, but that's a reason for us to be concerned. I, I'm quite surprised that it would be a reason for the NFL to be um, concerned. They've the NFL have actually invested money in the development of this stadium. I doubt they would be so negligent as to not really have an idea of how much they experience. And um, having been up to a went to the Spurs back when I lived in London, I went up to see Spurs a couple of times um, with a um, sort of acquaintance of mine who supported Spurs. And it's it wasn't the best kind of transport links then, and it won't be now. And I see that that's probably going to be a bit of a factor. But um, you want to talk about bad transport links? Look at Twickenham Stadium. Oh my well, god! I mean, I mean, it, it's a thing with Twickenham. It's a, it's a general issue with, um, with with London insofar as you've got this incredibly concentrated urban core, and everything has to be developed further out in the suburbs. And that's basically a problem that a lot of um, American cities have. Um, not all of them. Look at somewhere like Cleveland or yeah. Pittsburgh. But um, I, I. I for me, I feel like the NFL might have just had their wings clipped a little, and I don't know if it's by teams resentful of coming over here. I don't know if it's by fans that was... I mean, this was born out in the reaction to when last year's games were announced um, that turned out to be quite an accurate uh, representation because the match day... Well, the games were, were, were abysmal. Um, and if, if I, I don't know if it was a conscious thing to go for quality over quantity this year, um, but the fact that there has been this massive drive to build up the games, build up the games, build up the games... That they're, they're, are they willing to risk the loss of goodwill for UK fans by saying, actually, we're taking one away from you? We're not actually that devoted. Um, are they cooling their ambitions about London or is it just a sort of injection of patience that they're expanding too fast and need to take a step back and kind of get some credibility back to for national games in terms of the quality of the products on the field? Yeah, I think it's probably probably one that one where people got annoyed last year. The, the quality of the product was terrible. Then we had looked at jealously with green eyes at what Mexico is getting. They got the Raiders Patriots and then we were forced to look at the, you know these terrible teams. So yeah, the, I, th- I think the, Ra- the Ra- Raiders Patriots did finish 33-8. That's just 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 true so you... but but on paper it looked it looked mouthwatering. So I'm going to agree with you. So there we go. Come for the geography oh. in the city planning, I think. Is, is, is <laughs> well, I mean, you you this is what happens when you get a podcast presented by someone who has a master's in urban planning. Um the one thing that one other thing that I did want to I just want to um not a fan base I often feel sorry for, but I do have a little feeling of um, feeling sorry for the Packers. Um, they've the Packers have got a massive, massive fan presence in the UK. Um, they're they've probably got the most professionally run of all the um, fan accounts when you look on Twitter. Um, they've got proper engagement with actually the Packers and things like that. Packers will feature the UK fan base, and so every year there is sort of this big plea. And it's not as if they're going from a big market. Green Bay is. Pretty, it's a pretty small media market. Yeah, you've got a huge fan base there, and they're a very big, well-supported team nationwide. But there is this big fan base in the UK that they're just they're happy to just see kind of see grow, and that they don't want to get involved. And I just I just feel a bit sorry for them because I know that there are, that it would be a huge, huge game. It would probably be the biggest, kind of the most devoted sort of um, 
most engagement in terms of actual NFL fans if the Packers came over here. Um, but as yeah. yet, they are still... Packers, um, um, Packers, yeah. pa- Packers, Panthers, Texans, only three teams never to play in the UK. And, and, and the Panthers and Texans have nowhere near the presence in the UK that the Packers do, obviously, and obviously they don't in the States as well. But yeah, it, it's just a bit of a shame. Um, so that's our chat on um, the... Uh, London games. Um, we'll be we'll be we'll be back after a short. Um, what what Tom has described to me as a, a sound effects interlude um, with the actual pod. So tune in. We've got Michael Kiss, as I say, coming along, and see you after the sound effects. Hello and welcome to the Inside Zone podcast, the podcast equivalent of goading opposing fans in the last seconds of your playoff game, only to see a miracle last-second touchdown make you seem very foolish. Thanks, Sean Payton. Anyway, I'm Nick Dunkerson, and joining me as always today is Inside Zone Editor-in-Chief Tom Like. Think of him as a Marcus Williams botched tackle attempt. And very excited by our special guest, uh, Michael Kist of Inside the Pylon, Breaking Football, and the Locked on Eagles podcast. Michael, great to have you here. How are you doing? And you're looking forward to seeing Fletcher Cox having some fun with that Vikings O-line this weekend? Oh, absolutely. He was a monster last week. I'm doing well. And you can think of me as Marcus Williams with a late third quarter interception <laughs> arise before the eventual fall. <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad you're in on the comparison. I have to say, we had um, um, you're inside the pile on Pierre Mark Schofield on the show last week. So um, any kind of um, inside the pile on competition um if you, you want to trash talk mark all this week um that will that will be very much appreciated um we're all for um, fermenting rivalries here um should, should we should we get on with the show um we're going to be mostly previewing the conference championship games because um if we start reviewing the weekend's games i have to relive that um last second digs touchdown and i just can't face it um but we will look at those four eliminated teams as well and quickly suggest one thing they can do to go deeper in the playoffs next year we did last week with the eliminated wildcard teams we're doing it again this week anyway on to the games um, first of all, um, 8.05pm UK time on Sunday evening, it's the AFC Championship game as the New England Patriots host the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I feel a strange feeling every time I mention Jacksonville Jaguars AFC Championship game. But after their thrilling victory over Pittsburgh, suddenly everyone is on this Jaguars bandwagon. Um, but let's reduce this to some really glib comparisons. To win, Blake Bortles and Doug Marone have to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Michael, can they do it? I, I think they can, but it really depends on which Bortles shows up. Uh, Bortles had a 100-plus QB rating, I think, five or six times this year. When he's done that, the Jaguars have won by an average winning margin of 25.6 points, which is uh, wild. It shows you how good that team is around him. But like I said, it, the Jaguars are going to try to set him up with success with the play action and you saw it in the first three passes against the Steelers. They were all play action and he was making the wide open throws, which is no small thing considering his tendency to look awful at times. Everyone saw the Buffalo bills game, which was wildly entertaining. Just if you were on social media and got to experience it that way, if you weren't, uh, it was quite the bore fest and Boros was just plain bad. So I, I think they can, I don't think they will. I have a policy of not betting against the Patriots in the playoffs, <laughs> <laughs> especially when Blake Bortles is on the other side. Um, yeah, the, the, that Bills-Jags game, my favorite um, thing on social media from that was um, a base 
I can't remember who it was, but it was a baseball fan tweeting, basically saying next time that baseball season starts and you're tweeting about baseball is boring, remember that you all sat through Jags-Bills. Um, but the play-action game is interesting because we've seen these worries about Leonard Fournette's health and they've been most of the year on. Now there's an ankle injury at the moment. Um, and that's even without the fact that he was in a car crash earlier in the week. Um, mm. if, if Fournette can't get going, if he's not dynamic and maybe... Either the Jags stick with him and don't have much success, um, or they turn to Chris Ivory or TJ Yeldon. Um, I mean, how can the, how can then the Jags make the Pats' defense give up some plays? Um, Tom, what do you think? Well, I I, I think that they're going to struggle on, on the outside. I mean, you look at the Jags. There, I mean, we, we're all quick to jump on how bad Blake Ball is, but let's look at who he's using. You know, Marquis Lee's been pretty banged up, and he's relying on Westbrook. And they haven't really got anyone at tight end. But I think the key is Leonard Fournette. And the Jags are 7-2 and two when Fournette runs the ball more than 20 times. 1-5 and five when it's less than 20 carries. But this game is going to come down to so many different intricate things. And we know that Bill Belichick is the master tactician. But one thing that I'm looking forward to, that I think no one else is talking about, is the, is the opening coin toss. So we all know that New England loves to defer... What? You're looking forward to the coin toss. I am. This is this this is this is going to show me how much Bill Belichick fears the Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars. This, so we, this we all, is like offensive line nerdery, but even worse. We, we, know, we know that the Patriots love to defer. They love to score before halftime and after halftime. But are they going to really allow the Jags to jump out to a lead potentially, like they did last week against the against the Steelers? I mean, from literally the first eight minutes onwards, it was all Jacksonville. And I know they let the Steelers back in, but if you allow the Jags to get their tails up, you allow Malik Jackson, who had an absolutely massive massive 2015 AFC Championship game. I mean, him and Von Miller destroyed Brady. They then got Marcel Darius on the inside and Gokwe. And also Calais Campbell will be going up against maybe the Patriots' third-string right tackle. I mean, let Adrian Waddle. We're not sure if he's going to play. He suffered an injury against the Titans. So I'm, I, I know no, no, no one else is, but I'm looking forward to the coin toss. Uh, okay, well, away from exciting topics like coin toss, um, let's talk about more boring things like Rob Gronkowski. Um, I feel... Gronkowski obviously is this completely weird superhuman who is incredibly fast and incredibly strong. And we know the Jags have got this athletic speedy linebacker course, particularly Telvin Smith and Miles Jack. Um, there's Paul Puzzlesing there, who's, who I guess you would kind of classify typically as a stronger rather than a faster linebacker if you were splitting them. But I don't, I'm not sure if anyone, any one player on this Jags has this combination of strength and um, speed to stop Gronkowski. And if they can't stop Gronk, I would guess that would be it. Do you have, does anyone have any more faith than me, Michael? Uh, yeah, the defense is young and fast, but they can be fooled by uh, pre-snap shifts and motions. And you're going to look for the Patriots to try to dictate that Gronk matchup. The Jaguars run cover three 42% of the time. Uh, it's their base defense. So what you're going to see from the Patriots is a lot of high-low reads on the outside, whether it be go flat, slot fade, uh, smash concept where you've got a six-yard curl and then with the corner route over top of it. Uh, and then you're going to see the, the hitches on the outside with the seam routes in the middle trying to bracket that free safety. And that's going to be where Gronk is uh, probably going to thrive. And look, if you go back to that Miami game, what's different for them, Miami got pressure and they got Brady off the spot and it really affected them. Uh, but with Gronkowski in for this game, you're going to see them test that cover three by sending those seam routes up the hashes. So you've got the quick passing concepts on the outside with the curls, flat routes, bubbles, smoke routes where the receiver takes a hard step upfield and 
retreats back to his original position. That type of stuff is going to be open against that off coverage that the Jacksonville Jaguars like to use. And then you sprinkle in that stuff with Gronkowski and Hogan and the like. And I think giving Brady those type of quick outside options, the vertical hash options is going to allow the Patriots to stretch the Jaguars both horizontally and vertically without having to worry about the pass rush too much. And look, the Jaguars are going to get to Brady here and there, but I think the overall picture, nobody schemes better than Belichick and nobody executes better than Brady on the big stage. And I, I guess one of one strength that the Pats will have going to the other side of the ball, one decent matchup is that if the Jags do have a defensive weakness, it is that run defense. I mean, even since Marcel Darius has come in, they've not been exemplary by any stretch of the imagination and we saw some um great lead blocking work from the pats on saturday i mean the titans defensive front it's decent it's not amazing um joe tooney who i was sort of unsure if he was going to be kind of overmatched going against gerard casey was fantastic shaq mason played well as well um i mean do you think they can manage it against this on paper slightly tougher jags matchup but does have this weakness against the run yeah, I would say that the weakness is up the middle. If you try to stretch things and slow develop things uh, horizontally against this defense, the speed is going to catch up to you. Really, the only thing you can do to the outside is is maybe outside zone, which is a quicker hit, and you've got inside reads off of that as well. I would expect the Patriots to attack right in the middle of this defense. And you saw it, yeah. you know, the Steelers were able to rip off some runs, some inside zone runs up the middle against this defense. So it is doable. That is their weakness. I think they rank like 22nd in DVOA for run defense. So uh, that is a path to success for them as well. Yeah, I think I think the key also would be running the ball north-south. And I think we could potentially see a lot right. of James Devlin in this game, a lot of the fullback. But I actually think the Patriots might copy what they did against Tennessee last week, where they went no huddle quite early, try and keep this Jags defense tired, gashed them up the middle, tr- kind of wear them down, wear those pass rushes down, force them to play to play, play run defense. That, that could be one, uh, a strategy that worked last week with the Patriots. Maybe it's something they'll try and implement this week. Yeah, and that's a great point because when you do that, when you speed it up, not only do you tire the defense down and slow the pass rush down, you're also getting more vanilla looks in the on the on the back end with the defensive backs, and that's going to allow Tom Brady to kind of pick things apart with those shorter routes, get rid of the ball, you know, within two and a half seconds, and keep him clean and upright, which is definitely a key for them. Yeah, flip, flipping the sorry Nick, just to cut you in here, but flipping the ball, I mean. Something that I might, if I'm the Jags, I'm looking at is Blake Bortles. We all know that he threw, uh, sorry, he, he ran for more yards than he threw for against the, the Bills. Why don't they run more zone read with him? I mean, why not force the backside defensive end to decide whether to crash down or cover Bortles, who's so far in the playoffs proved that he's largely effective moving the ball and picking up first downs of his legs. I mean, we know the Patriots have got these great big run stuffers inside. They historically they like to set the edge and funnel running plays inside. But why not take one extra player out out of the, out of the play by having Bortles run some zone read? That's something that I think the Jags could potentially look to exploit this weekend. Yeah, they ran it, I think, one or two times against the Steelers, and it was definitely successful. I mean, the thing with the Patriots is they're going to have to ensure that they uh, keep contain on Bortles because not only with it with the zone read that part of it too but Bortles will bolt from the pocket and the New England defense they're going to they're going to run a hybrid 4-3 even front zone coverage behind it uh, which is essentially what they did with the Titans when they suffocated their run game you're going to have Patrick Chung snipping around in the box uh, they're going to have one side of the defensive line two gapping the other side one gapping which is a staple of the Patriots defenses for a good while I think they dared the Jaguars to pass out of base and 
every team tries to put the opposing offense behind schedule. But if you get Bortles in third and seven or longer, the Jaguars rank 21st in third down conversion from that distance. And they'll give up and run from that distance a good deal more because, you know, of the trust factor with Blake. But again, in those situations, you have to be wary of Bortles seeing space and bailing the moment he sees an opening because he, he doesn't care about completing his full five-step drop back, working through his progressions like a traditional quarterback. He's going to go. So if the Patriots run twist, you know, that DT that is exchanging with the defensive end has to get outside and upfield quickly to keep the integrity of the pocket on their side of things. But I think that's a great point. I think the zone read, especially in the red zone, if they get down there, would be something they, they could uh, they could utilize as well and use his wheels and put it less on his arm because that's been the main story of this offense. Nobody, No team has had a bigger flip and run-pass ratio uh, than the Jaguars have gone to the run this year. So that's a big thing for them. I, I like the slightly Freudian comment um, there, Michael, when you suggested if the Jaguars make it down to the red zone. Um, i got to be <laughs> honest, I, 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 like the, um, I like Bill Belichick's odd, the odds of Bill Belichick actually being um, sharp enough to take account of Bortles running very early on. Um, oh. I, I, I suspect that might be a... a quite a high priority for him because that take that out and then suddenly you've got um bottles stuck inside um yeah. and basically the risk of bottling um going via odd going via odd shark shouldn't be mean to that to a quarterback who's sort of led his team to the afc championship game but here we are good for um, blake <laughs> going by odd shark um the current spread is um new orleans by um, new orleans what? Wow. New England by nine. Yeah, wishful thinking that my Saints are still in the playoffs. Um, and in the AFC Championship game. We can only, you can only yeah, hope. Realign, realign, we just realigned on the, the um, conferences on this podcast because that's that's how much um, the NFL is willing to coat out to the UK at the moment. Um, but yeah, nine-point nine favourites, New England. Um, shall we do some predictions um, with, with absolutely no consequences because... No one remembers what anyone's predictions are, so it's all a bit of fun. And Tom has to go first because um, he so he won't copy your homework, Michael. Well, well, Tom, I, what do you reckon? Well, well, I went three or four last week. If anyone's keeping count, but um, yeah, so so I've actually got the Patriots winning by nine. I've got them winning twenty-seven to sixteen. I think it's going to be touchdowns for the Patriots, field goals for the Jags. Although I don't know why I have this niggling feeling that the Jags are going to do it, but I think my head, New England in Foxborough <laughs> in the championship game. And you go for the Patriots by nine. Uh, it's head, head and heart there, um, Michael. What do you think? I, th- I think that he, uh, I think that Tom there copied my my homework because I had a <laughs> Patriots uh, twenty seven Jags to fourteen. Look, Ooh. no team since two thousand three has covered more at a higher percentage than the New England Patriots. And I bet on them to cover the spread, the huge spread against the the Titans that everybody was talking about. I won money off that. Uh, this year, the only teams that that they're tied with the Vikings for the most covers this year as well. I mean, it's it's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the playoffs. If if you feel like betting against them, just don't bet. It would be my advice. <laughs> Uh, that's all that's always sage advice um i would love to be the um renegade here saying yeah the jags have got this in the bag brady gets sacked seven times or something there is no way that new england lose this game there is no way that this is close new england i think it could be three plus touchdowns in the end i think belichick 
I really fancy that. I, I, no, I spoke Belgium. Matt, Pat- I really fancy Matt Patricia's chances of managing to get Bortles to well Bortle um, a couple of times, and I think this is an amazing defense. But we saw that they can get tired against Pittsburgh, we, and I just think it just takes semi-smart coaching to force Jags off their out of their comfort yeah. zone. And yeah, so let's say New England by three touchdowns. Just before we move on, Nick, I just want to point this out. I don't want any of this voodoo type, you know, stuff that comes out of Foxborough where the Jags helmets aren't working or something dodgy's <laughs> got I know that, that tends to happen up there in big games and maybe it's because I'm a Dolphins fan, but can we just please get a clean game with a great offense versus a great defense? I don't want any shenanigans out of Foxborough this weekend. Do, do you do you fancy Bortles to be a better passer with fully inflated or partly deflated footballs? Um <laughs> That, that's that, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> now let, let's move on. So let's move on to the NFC Championship game, and it's a late one here in the UK. It's an eleven forty PM kickoff time, which I think is the same time that the Super Bowl will be kicking off. So maybe if you're an Eagles fan or a Vikings fan over here, you'll be staying up late and taking Monday off work, working from home, something like that. Um, from my point of view, I knew there was a silver lining to the Saints getting knocked out. That's a dilemma I don't have. Um, but anyway, Minnesota Vikings said traveling to Pennsylvania to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. So that is Case Keenum versus Nick Foles. Two former Jeff Fisher protégés with the shirt numbers seven and nine. Oh, um, poor Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff could spot talent that has had no one in the building who, who could coach up those quarterbacks. Jeff had it. Jeff had them in the building. <laughs> yeah, let, let, before this gets into the all Jeff Fisher defense hour, let's move on. Um, this Because despite those quarterbacks, I feel like this is going to be a game decided by who can just eke out the most success against the opposing defense. We know that Minnesota doesn't have the strongest run game or strongest O-line, whereas it's passing the ball with Nick Foles at Hampus Philly. So this is going to be a bit attritional, I think. But who can outlast the other? Tom, why don't you go first? Okay, well, um, I'm a bit nervous because I know that Michael covers the, the Eagles for Locked <laughs> Lock on Eagles. So. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm dropping you in this. I've got to be wow. careful here. So, right, okay, which quarterback can handle the heat? So we know that both of these teams, they like to generate pressure. They like to light up the opposing quarterbacks. And Nick Foles, I mean, let's be honest, he, he has struggled against pressure since entering the lineup. I think Case Keenum, he's by and large played well, played well when, when teams have blitzed him, although last week he did struggle significantly against the against the Saints. Uh, the Eagles are the most disruptive deal in the NFL, and Jim Swartz, I mean, last week he was making up blitzes on the sideline, apparently. So uh, um, this is going to be interesting to see Vitae at left tackle versus Everson Griffin. I mean, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'd probably be a bit worried about that. Maybe you have to leave a tight end into chip. But, I mean, Nick Foles, that, he is a backup quarterback, but he has started a significant amount of NFL games. He's seen a lot of football, so maybe this is one extra week to prepare. Maybe we'll see a slightly different Nick Foles this week compared to the ones we've seen in the last couple. I mean, seeing a lot of football. Ryan Fitzpatrick's seen a lot of football. It doesn't make him a particularly good quarterback. Um, Michael, who's, who? where's your lean going in this game, which I think is probably going to be tighter, I think we all agree, than the... Well, we might not all agree. We'll come to that later. But um, then compared to the Jags-Pats game, where, where's your leaning and where do you think is the main battle, I guess? Yeah, Tom brought up a great point about Keenum handling pressure because he is actually a, a top-five pressured quarterback in the NFL, but he's second in avoiding 
sacks when he's pressured. So it's not just a matter of getting home. You know, you got to take him down too. He does a good job navigating the pocket and using his wheels. Um, and to his point about Halapuli Vativaitai against Everson Griffin, uh, what I want to see. Sorry, this is just applause because he pronounced. Yeah. I was about to say, can we get that on loop? <laughs> <laughs> That, that's your job, you know, I, Tom, to, to capture that so we can repeat it anytime we need to talk about them. Anyway. I'm going I'm to give you a tip about how to learn how to say that. If you say it in the same cadence as play that funky music, white boy, halapuli vati vatai, you can learn how to say that. <laughs> Pro tip. <laughs> that is an excellent so, tip. <laughs> uh, yeah, but look, against Atlanta, the line held up well. Uh, Foles was the least pressured quarterback out of all the quarterbacks last week. He was only under pressure seven times. Uh, Vitae was only responsible for two of those pressures, which is a big win for him. Uh, but now you get a Vikings team that seems to have raised the frequency in which they blitz and gotten more exotic as they've gone along with it. And you worry about the communication on the Eagles offensive line, especially on the left side, because the Vikings will send Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, and they're going to throw in some disguised coverages behind it too and if the vikings start getting home you worry that it will force Foles into bad decisions and he'll throw into one of those trap coverages that he never saw coming and these vikings corners will press you they got great speed and length they'll disrupt your timing they're the reason that there's it's there's a big reason they're the best third down defense of all time or at least 1975 or whenever they started you know recording that it's historic so what you need to see from the eagles that would make me feel better is a key blitz pickup early on or at the very least a pickup on a stunt because they've struggled with those stunts since the 49ers game the seahawks picked up on it the rams picked up on it everybody else picked up on it uh you're not going to line up and win that one-on-one game with Vitae and Griffin. You'll see the Eagles use condensed alignments to limit what Griffin can choose from as far as his attack plan goes. Uh, They'll try the hard count like they did with Von Miller. They got him a couple of times with that. They'll try to mess with his keys on the snap count so he can't time it up. Uh, There's no one answer, uh, but they got to help Big V in this situation, and they will, and it doesn't always have to be a chip, although they will use that because that does limit what you can do schematically with your route combinations. It limits your options, Uh, but they'll help him. And it's all a matter of how effective it is uh, once the bright lights hit. So if, if that can hold up, then I think that the Eagles have a chance, along with their defense, to be able to keep this game close. And, man, it's the playoffs, man. Weird things happen in the playoffs. And if you're within one score of special teams, you know, we got we got our fingers on a, on a punt last, last week. Uh, we blocked some kicks during the regular season. Playoff games change, can change on a dime, as you guys know from last week. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for the reminder. Um, no I've, I've got, I've got a, a, a kicker question, which I'll come to later because obviously talking coin tosses earlier wasn't interesting enough. But do you think that the need to pick up pressure and the need to give Vitae help on the left might impact who Philadelphia decide to go with at running back and affect their running game negatively if they try and, you know, if they if they don't fancy um, and we have to obviously contractually mention him as a British podcast, London's Jai if they don't fancy him to put in that get that extra blocking do you think that there's a role for someone like more of a role for someone like Corey Clement or the Garrett Blunt over there perhaps yeah I mean that could be the case Corey Clement has been one of our better receiving uh, options Ajayi has more functional strength to pick that up and he's become 
better at uh, adapting to the protection schemes that the Eagles have. And I think what you're going to see more of instead of switching the backs up uh, necessarily is you're going to see more screens, you know, more fake bubble one way come to the screen on the left side. Use that speed against the Vikings and use it against them. So I think you might see more of that. I still think that Ajayi keeps that feature role uh, no matter no matter what the situation. Okay, now both um, teams in escape have got potentially game-changing tight ends. We know about Zach Ertz. I feel like Kyle Rudolph has been a bit underrated this year. Um, But we've both got, going up against sort of sets of dynamic linebackers, very talented safeties, um, full of coverage ability. Do you think either, um, would you fancy for getting any success, either team for getting any success involving their tight ends, maybe early and opening that up a little, Uh, Michael? Yeah, Ertz is kind of matchup proof and he's been all season and the Eagles have done great uh, to set him up with the guy they want to cover him, whether it be a safety or a linebacker. They'll do it via alignment. They'll do it via route combinations. Atlanta did a good job against him in the red zone last week. Uh, you know, when they were down in the red zone, I was thinking, OK, here comes the spacing concept to Ertz or, or you know, the the bang eight concept to him. And we've seen it over and over again in the in the in the uh, regular season. And the Falcons, you know, put extra attention on Ertz. They bracketed them one guy on the right, one guy on the left to make sure that they that they lock that up. So I think you may see more of Aguilar than you will see of Ertz, but Ertz will definitely impact the game uh, for the Eagles. Typically with tight ends, you're going to see Malcolm Jenkins uh, on on that tight end. So I think that, you know, he's he's going to do well enough against Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph did kind of gash this last year. I think he had like five catches for 55 and a, and a um I think that was it, though. So I, I don't think Rudolph is going to be necessarily the answer for them. I think it's going to be Thielen and Diggs. And uh, Jarius Wright has taken a bigger role on instead of Laquan Treadwell, which is the right move because Treadwell is just absolutely awful. But I think I think Jenkins can hold up against Rudolph, so they're going to have to look elsewhere. Certainly feel like it helps um, Minnesota. And we talk, you talk, mentioned earlier about Case Keenum escaping sacks, having um, two dynamic um, weapons, both of whom can play from the slot and both of whom are very adept at the shallower routes, certainly helps with that. Um, but I do want to talk kickers. Um, now, kickers and Minnesota in the playoffs. Well, here we go. Because Kai, oh. Kai Fodbath has a monster game against New Orleans. Um, he's mostly got a deserved poor reputation. He was pretty abysmal in Washington. If you remember, quite often his kickoffs would just kind of bubble along the ground because he didn't have enough leg power to um, guarantee touchbacks. Whereas in Philadelphia, you've got Jake Elliott, who, you know, he looks mostly solid. He hits some very long kicks, but he does miss his share, fair share of sub-40 yarders. I oh. think there's a decent chance this game looks tight coming late into the fourth quarter. Which of the two do you want to rely on if you have to rely on one of them? Uh, Tom, why don't you tell us who, who's your who's your kicker crush out of these two? Uh, it's got to be Jake Elliott. I think I'm going to have to go for Jake Elliott. Go for the young rook, the young, the young stud. Plenty to prove. Had a great year. Been thrust into the lineup. Showed that the line, you know, the stage is never too big for him. And Kai Forbath had a bit, had a bit of the yips down the stretch. So I have to go for Jake Elliott here. Michael. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's hit some clutch kicks. That that big that big first one against the New York Giants was amazing. Yeah. He's got he's got you know he's been better, I guess. You know, Kai Forbath, I really expected him to miss that fifty three yarder because that would be peak Vikings right there. Uh, but he ended up nailing that. But the the conditions in in Philly look okay, uh, so really no advantage as far as playing indoors versus outdoors. Uh, Elliot may miss an extra point, um, but if it comes down to it, I think as far as the clutch kicking gene goes. I got to go with my boy, Jake Elliott. 
So if that if that's a, a crucial factor, who knows? Philly could squeak it. I mean, looking again, going back to Odshark, Minnesota are three point favourites at the moment. Hmm. Um, let, let's let's do some more um, predictions and let's ask the um, the Eagles man himself, uh, Michael. Eagles or Vikings? I'm gonna go Eagles 14 because I don't think they settle for. Uh, field goals in the red zone. I think they're going for all touchdowns. You saw that last week against the Falcons. They've they've been aggressive all season. Eagles 14, Vikings 13. Uh, yeah. The, ho- the, the home and away splits for the Vikings defense uh, lend themselves to a better rushing game than the Eagles had uh, last week and have had since Foles has been in. They're going to deal with some tight boxes, that's for sure. Uh, but that defense allows... On the road, 19 points per game as opposed to 13.8 at home. So I feel like the Eagles may have a chance to just eke enough points out. And the, and the Eagles' defense at home, the, you know, the last three games, 10 points, 6 points, and 10 points. The defense gets it done at home. And I think they can really get to Case Keenum. And, and you know, Case Keenum, people aren't talking about it because that 61-yard throw – I think he's a bit of a liability because if that throw doesn't happen, we're talking more about the end of the third quarter interception to Marcus Williams uh, and the whole narrative has changed. So hopefully, you know, the Eagles can force him into, you know, a a key mistake or two. Eagles can't be sloppy to start the game like they have been. Uh, That's not going to work against this Vikings team. You can't let them jump out ahead and start teeing off. But as long as they come out solid and keep it close within the first half, keep it within the score, I feel pretty confident that the Eagles can make a game out of it. Tom, which way are you going? Interestingly, I've also got the game being decided by one point, although I'm going in Minnesota 17, uh, Philadelphia 16. I just don't think that I think the Eagles are probably going to have to settle for field goals from about 30, 40 yards out. I mean, the, the key for me for this game comes down to which team can move the ball on the ground. And I know that we've got a giant blunt, most likely running to, the, running to the right with Kelsey Brooks and Johnson. And I don't really trust the Vikings airline, but I, I don't know why I have this sense that the Vikings just seem like it doesn't matter what happens to them? Bad O line, quarterback goes down. I feel like they can, they just seem to get through it. And this this defense, they just they just ride it the whole way. I'm not sure why I think Foles is going to throw a couple of picks this game. And then I know that Ronald Darby will likely cover Stephon Diggs, then Jenkins or Kendricks will cover Rudolph. But I mean, who covers Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen is the go-to guy mm-hmm. on the third down. Are they really going to try and trust you know Jalen Mills out there? I'm, I'm not too sure. I think that this game could come down to the Vikings just simply converting a few more third downs and being able to punch in two touchdowns, whereas the Eagles are probably going to have to settle for a few field goals. So Vikings 17-16 for me. Quick note on that. Thielen is second in the league in receptions, yards, and converted first downs on third down. That's a very good point, Tom. Yeah. Um, I am leaning also towards Minnesota. Sorry, Michael. Sorry, I think, Mike. Sorry, Michael. Invite a guest on and then trash his team. That's, that's what we do. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fairly close again. I'd say probably yeah, somewhere between five and seven points. Um, so five, six or seven points, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I, I like, I like the fact that like Tom said, Minnesota just get things done. I think they've got, a lot of safety blankets for Case Keenum. We haven't even mentioned Jarek McKinnon, for example. Mm. Um, I just think there's options to get just a little bit away. And this um, Eagle secondary, it's got a couple of good players in Jenkins and um, in Ronald Darby. I don't like um, McLeod and I don't really like um, Jalen Mills. I just think there's just a little bit too, too many weaknesses on there for Minnesota to have the chances to exploit. So, yeah. So, um, moving on, 
<laughs> and that before yeah. before I um before we completely alienate our guest, um, four teams were eliminated <laughs> oh. in a divisional round. Um, most of them pretty good teams, I think. So, what do they need? Just one little thing. We're going to start off one. Um, give one thing, justify it in a couple of sentences. Nice, quick sort of thing. We- um, what do they need to do to kick on next year? Maybe on, get Nick. a little. Yeah, what? I I haven't prepared for this. Neither I believe has Michael. So this is going to be purely hot takes. So how about you read out Beautiful. the teams? You read out the teams that have been eliminated. I'll go first, yeah. and maybe Michael can follow. So, mm-hmm. give me the teams. What what team are we going first? Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just going to flag up to Michael that I did actually make sure that to Tom knew that we were going to do this in the pod, and he was responsible. So, let's let's bl- bl- we're blaming the youngster here. We're blaming Tom. Um, it's all your <laughs> fault, Tom. Go on, Nick. What, um, what team? First? We'll, we'll, well, we'll we'll do. Should we start with the Atlanta Falcons? Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. What do they need to do? Uh, sure. I've, I've, I've actually prepared a bit, so I'll go first for these. But you might, okay. you might steal mine. Let me go first for the Falcons. Oh, okay. So for the Falcons, I think it comes down to they probably have to either get rid of Steve Sarkeesian or hope that the, the offense mm-hmm. can take a, a Kyle Shanahan-type leap in the second year. And then also, I mean, maybe get some, some maybe a, like an elite guard in there. Someone else just to help Matt Ryan allow mm-hmm. the routes to develop downfield a little bit more. So for me, it's probably get a, get a, get an elite guard or at least a decent guard, and then maybe sort out that play calling. So so much for my prep. Um, they were <laughs> the two bits that I'd mentioned. I do think that um, well, improve, they're a pretty they're a pretty good on... team, aren't they? Let's be honest. Apart from those two things, I think we're we're all going to have maybe help yeah. on the inside. I think I think they're a fairly loaded team, as it were. Yeah, I think improving on Andy Levitra and West Schweitzer would be a decent start. Michael, any quick hot take on? What the Falcon, anything else the Falcons can do, or has Tom stolen both our points? Yeah, uh, find a way to get Julio Jones the ball in the red zone that isn't just pigeonholed in, and, and your, their red zone play calling was awful against the Eagles, so definitely offensive coordinator. Sarkeesian's got to go. Uh, that's just really the end-all, be-all of it. That offense was much different than it was with Shanahan, and they have the weapons to where it didn't need to be that way. You don't need an elite coach to be able to move that offense down the field. Ten points you know, in the playoffs is embarrassing when you have those type of weapons. That would be my main thing. Should we have, quickly do Tennessee? Yeah. Shall I go first? Um, yeah. I want to see Corey Davis kick on in year two. I think him, he looked like, the, obviously, he was the best of the first round um, wide receivers. I think he's got, he's shown in bursts when he got a chance that he's got some speed. He can contest catches. He can run routes. And actually getting a head coach that's willing to use him, um, whoever it is that Tennessee end up with, is going to be invaluable because that's going to, create the outside threat that they haven't demonstrated is going to give Mariota um, a decent weapon and just make a more balanced offense. Um, Michael, you got a quick take on Tennessee? Yeah, give them an offensive system that isn't mired in the 1980s and let Mariota <laughs> do his thing. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's fair, it's fair. Um, Tom? Get some linebackers who can cover tight ends. Oh my God, they're mm-hmm. slow in, yeah. in the linebacker call. Get get someone who can actually cover a tight end and line up because they're both their safeties are about five foot nine. They're tiny, so it was just constant mismatches. And then, like you guys said, maybe get married to another playmaker. Okay, should we quickly do Pittsburgh? Um, I, I'm happy to go first. I want to see them get better at safety. Um, JJ Wilcox hasn't panned out Mike Mitchell is inconsistent and <laughs> managed to hype up the entire Jags team for the match which is probably not the smartest thing to do um, I don't like Sean Davis I mean there's free agencies, there's a draft but 
they look decent at corner. I like Artie Burns' potential and having Joe Hayden there helps, but, you know, get some safety help. Come on. Tom. Yeah, get some... Oh, Yeah, get some safeties that can play some man coverage so where you can uh, uh, mix up your coverages a little bit more would definitely be a help. For me, with them, it's not necessarily the talent, even though they could upgrade a Bud Dupree on one of the edges there. It's, it's the... Whatever they're doing to prepare coming into the week... They've had some real stinkers, and it's been a problem for them for a while. And at home, too. They had the was this the first or second biggest point differential in home-to-road splits, but it's the complete inverse with them. They lay stinkers at home. I mean, they were in a dogfight with the Colts. Uh, they lost to the Browns in the 21st century, which is inexcusable <laughs> for a team like that. So uh, something that uh, I don't know if it's Haley, because I think Haley's gone now, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I don't I don't know what they need to do, but they just need to be a more consistent team. If they're a more consistent team, they have the talent to, to be the best team in the NF- in the AFC, along with the Patriots, for sure. Tom? What can Pittsburgh do? So the Steelers have always been known for having great rangy linebackers and with the absence of Ryan Shazier, I think that's shown up most this year. I mean, they need to get maybe a good rangy linebacker, someone like a Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech, or if if he's not on the board, maybe Malik Jefferson. Get some tackling machines back there who are able to, you know, shut down things in the flats and also help out in the run game because I think the Steelers at the minute, it's not the offense. The offense is absolutely loaded. It seems to be that defense that seems to be the problem year in, year out for them. Okay, and the last of all is uh, my beloved New Orleans Saints. Um, I've resisted saying, get Sean Payton to stop goading opposing fans. Um, I want to see a slot receiver. Um, I don't know what has happened to Willie Sneed after that four-game ban, but he's just come back and he does not look anywhere near his 2016 player, um, which, you le- which leaves you Brandon Coleman in the start at the moment, who's six foot yeah. six and lumbering um, and is not a slot receiver. So... I mean, Drew Brees, we, he'll, he'll be back. Defence will be a year more experience. Just complementary pieces that just give a bit more offensive variety. Tom, what, what, what can my Saints do? Draft Marcus Davenport or Harold Landry and get Cam Jordan Ooh. some help out there. I mean, the guy is constantly seeing double teams and working through it. Get him some help on the other side so that we can get the Saints. You know, the, the corners are fine. They're pretty much set. The linebackers... Mm, they're okay, but I mean, we need to get you need to get Cam Jordan some help in, 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 on the defensive line there. What would you say, yeah. Michael? Yeah, I mean, uh, they lost their other edge defender as well, who is uh, performing pretty well to to IR. Uh, injuries really hurt them in that case. I would definitely agree. With, I'm I'm always good with drafting a pass rusher in the first round to to add to that depth. Uh, like you said, linebacker. I mean. Bring in Tremaine Edmonds. I love Tremaine Edmonds, by the way. I think that he's a fantastic player. And if he were to follow the Saints, he's an instant upgrade over uh, Manti Teo in almost every conceivable way. Um, Te- Te- Teo's been, th- been pretty decent this year. He's, he's not he's not been anything special, but he's been reasonably solid. He's been average. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's been solid. But Tremaine Edmonds is a is a 20-year-old when he's going to be entering his first season. And he's got the physical and athletic profile of just an absolute freak. So I think he's, you know, an instant upgrade there. You could always use a player like him on your defense. Um, other than that, better coverage uh, from, what is it, the opposing team's 39-yard line would definitely help them <laughs> in, in, in next year. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, 
you're, you're, not, you're not coming back now. You're bubbing it in. Tom, you're not coming back either. What? I'm sick of this. I'm going. No. Um, but I think that's it for this week. Um, there's just three games left in this 2017-18 NFL season. I mean, how, how are we all going to cope? Um, I know how few of us are going to cope here and that we're going to drown ourselves in um, booze. No, um, in scouting um, draft anything, please. God, don't let the tap stop. Um, anyway, join us again next week when I promise we won't be talking about the Pro Bowl. And in the meantime, check out the website, theinsidezone.com, for articles all week. You can find us on Twitter at The Inside Zone, on Facebook at facebook.com slash insidezoneuk. Um, and we're all on Twitter too. Um, Tom is at Tom Like NFL. Michael is at Michael Kiss NFL. And check out other sites he writes for, Inside the Pylon. Um, check out Locked on Eagles podcast and Breaking Football. I'm at Long Snaps Ranked. Um, because why have an easily searchable Twitter handle? Um, hope you enjoyed all enjoyed the show, and see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.